0: Well, it is my complete honor to get to sit down and have a conversation with one of the coolest people and greatest musicians I've ever had the pleasure of working with. It's also a really interesting thing because he's of all of my musician friends, I think I've known him the longest almost my entire life so uh here I am talking with my pal, Mr. Brian Jarrett. Hey Brian, how are you?
1: um <laughs> I'm doing good, but i I do like your loose uh definition of the term musician. I don't know that I've ever. <laughs>
0: You're too modest, buddy. You are absolutely too modest. Uh, It's just a pleasure to talk with you today. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So I've been thinking about this conversation leading up to today and it's really interesting because yeah, I have have known you for over 40 years because you and I are the same age and we started in kindergarten together in elementary school. We've known each other this whole time.
1: Yeah. 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 I I often tell people that that's just my oldest friend, my best friend. And, uh, you know, kindergarten. Yes. I remember when you were, as you will recall, when you were very young, you, you had a kind of a, you went around singing. I remember going to the old free home school over kind of going towards canton in the gymnasium with my grandparents and watching you yeah. sing, uh, you know, listening to you sing and, and, and all that stuff. And my grandmother bought one of the vinyl records and, and, and we would go back to their house and they would listen to it and they just oh always but we our our lives have been inter- intertwined musically for a very, very very long time.
0: <laughs> yeah. In yeah, excess of they, forty
1: years. Yeah. So
0: Yeah. And and in a lot of different ways too, right? Because you know, we we wound up playing a lot of gigs together eventually. But before that, we did stuff at school together and played drum line together. And, and then I remember you being in musicals that I was playing in the orchestra for. And yeah. I mean, you you've you've had a really cool life of getting to do a lot of stuff with music.
1: Oh, yeah, I really I didn't. You know, high school was really the time I didn't even start playing guitar. I guess I was 15 when I started tinkering with it and kind of getting interested in it. And then eventually it was the last thing I did every night before I went to bed. First thing I did every morning when I would wake up, I would grab that guitar and I would play. And then I found out I could sing and I didn't know, I didn't know that I could sing, but I just sang and people were like, Hey, that's not bad. You know, you're I was 15, 16 and just kind of continuing on that thing. But it's, but it's always been a family thing for us going, going way back to my grandfather. And even before that,
0: I was in the same boat. It was a family thing. Uh, And as far as back as I can remember, that was just what we did, you know, every, any time. And it was, I was very lucky on both sides of my family that whenever there was a family get together, music would break out, right? It was, it was going to happen. Someone was going to pull out a guitar or somebody had it. There was always a piano there and everybody wound up sitting around playing and singing.
1: Yeah. We, we never had a, we never had a holiday, you know. Fourth of July, Labor Day, you know, Christmas, whatever it was. We never had a holiday without music and at least one guitar. And actually, funny, I, I mirrored that, that experience back to my grandfather. He always used to talk They would big thing in their house growing up was boxing. So you had everybody gathered around the radio. And lo and behold, it was always, I don't recall the boxer's name, but he would say, you know, he'd, he'd knock the guy out in a round or two. And then what did we do? Because we'd all traveled miles and miles to be together to hear this fight. And then it was over in 10 minutes. So we had guitars. And you know, so on my that's my mother's father on my mother's side and uh but he always talked about that. Actually my very first guitar that someone bought for me was his old guitar, Martin D eighteen, and uh just a great, great guitar. And then on my I was raised also my my stepdad growing up, a very musically musically inclined family. Everybody played guitar, everybody sang, the men, the women, everybody. It was like they had their own, you know, they had their own partridge family kind of kinda of group growing up and and uh but that was always, always part of what we did. We got together, we celebrated, we had good times. All my best childhood memories, I can say, honestly, happened on my carport with a guitar and <laughs> just whoever was there, you know?
0: That's so great. You know, I don't want to sound like an old guy complaining that things aren't like they used to be, you know? It's okay. I, but <laughs> but I'm going to for a second and say I do feel like that some of that has, is not as present as it used to be. And it's sad to me that that time feels like that it's passed and it, it makes me sad. Well, we live in a world where I wanna hear
1: a song, I can just literally go to my phone and hear it and there's i think there's value in that i mean because sometimes i'll be like oh man what was that song from the 80s that i used to sing or what was this song that i used to like And you can go and find those songs and it's a great you know amalgamation of information but where there's take there's also give and so the part that has gotten given and has shrunk is the community around music because like i remember going in I mean, just not even music, but going like camping out for concert ticket, like yes, you know, a day ahead and spending the night and getting my tickets at one in the morning and just stuff like that. That people now nobody does that. They go online, they get a they get a they get a ticket, they download it to their phone, and just the experiences that we had. I really feel like we're one of the last, the '80s and the '90s, one of the great, you know, the last things of music bringing kind of everybody together in that in that sense. Um, and that's something that is lost today because I can just go, I can just go to my phone and I don't have to go anywhere pay $10 yeah. a month and
0: I'm done. You know what I mean? For me, I remember a couple things about stores growing up in Georgia. Um, I remember going to the turtles and coming. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember going and buying, waiting out there for concert tickets. Got ru- I remember going, I got rush tickets. Exact uh, same store I
1: went to, by the way, and kept out. I, yes. Mine was, was white snake.
0: <laughs> okay. Nice. <laughs> nice. And then, and then I remember uh, going to tower records at, Linux Mall. I just you would carve out hours to just go and walk around, and just that tangible experience of picking up a, a a CD or I probably at that point it wasn't vinyl. It was probably a lot of CDs and cassettes and holding yeah, it's right. it. And it's an experience I wouldn't trade for anything. No, hundred
1: percent. I remember it is it is a lost thing, and and I remember the big thing on like Fridays. At old Midway Elementary School, somebody to bring the boombox, you know, and then somebody (laughs) would have a suitcase (laughs) suitcase full of tape, you know, and we'd be whatever and playing music and kind of walking through. But those are, it was just a part. Music seemed to be a bigger part of who we were back then than maybe it is now. Maybe for certain groups or certain people, it's it's the same. But I know for for me, it certainly has changed, and I, I miss that to an extent. It's a it's a great it's a great memory that I can hang. And when my kids ask me about it, I tell them stuff, and they're like, "That's just crazy." And I'm like, "Just how it was, buddy. I didn't
2: know, I don't know what to tell you."
0: We were just explaining to Sophia the other day about what it was like on a Friday night to go to Blockbuster Video and walk around and run into half of the school or people that you knew from the community and walk around and try to pick up the latest movie or something you wanted to see. And if it wasn't there, you didn't see it. Right. You know, you didn't have the option to just scroll through a list of streaming titles and then you watch what you want. You it, it, had to make an effort to go and try to find it. Yeah. We live in an yeah. on-demand
1: world. And back then on demand meant you left your house and you drove 20 <laughs> minutes to the blockbuster. <laughs> and, The thrill, though, I will say the thrill of, like, say, a new release, because they used to put the new release would have, like, you know, 50 copies of the movie. (laughs) The thrill of finding the movie you were looking for unmatched. 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 I agree. Here
0: it is. My memory of that. You would walk up to the counter. They wouldn't even have time to put the movies back on the shelf, and they would just line them up on the counter, Yeah. and you would, like, dig through it. Yeah,
1: you'd be like, I want that movie, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You would grab it before anyone else had the chance to get it. You'd have somebody over there going through the movies to see
1: if their movie had been returned.
0: Yeah. That was was a good time. Man. You know, look, I know we sound like the old guys on The Muppet Show right now, and that's okay, but... Those were great moments, and I uh, I miss those. Oh, there's
1: nothing better, man. I, I just, and then even in, in high school and then right after high school, having bonfires at somebody's house, and I'd always bring my guitar. And sometimes I'd play it, and sometimes I wouldn't. You know, sometimes it was cool just to hang out, but I always liked the camaraderie. Everybody, where's your guitar, man? You know, it's just, it just kind of part of an identity of who I was. If There's yeah. Brian, and he plays guitar. Let's invite him to the party. So I got invited to a lot of cool parties. I probably wouldn't have otherwise. have gone to but it was because I played guitar and I was okay I was okay with
0: that I understand and can relate to attaching my identity was attached so much probably with music more than anything and that that's what I was known for it helped me break through some barriers of maybe being a short shy kid and you know I that was my go-to thing and then I felt more confident because of it that's
2: right yeah
1: and that's kind of you mentioned earlier, like uh, the musicals and things like that, that I did. Um, you know, we did a couple here and there, and I my big thing was my senior year. I was Daddy Warbucks and Annie, and uh, and that stuff. Being able, uh, coupled with like guitar and being able to perform in front of people, really made an impact because it was I was the um, you know you said you were the short shot kid. Well, I was the I was the the jovial fat kid, you know, and it was like. It, it, but finding ways to interact with people beyond just, Oh, I'm popular or I'm this or I'm that. Um, But but finding those ways to interact was always very important to me. And music did that for me, music, you know, guitar, and then, um, you know, and then getting into musicals and singing and just the really kind of putting your all into, you know, into that and making sure that you do it you want to do a good job just naturally. And it was just one of those things that always spoke to me and stuck with me forever. And it, has been a big part of who I am and who I've been for the better part of 30
2: years.
0: Yeah. It's uh, I understand. I, I understand 100% what you're talking about. Yeah, I get it. So, so let's talk, let's go back to when we were little kids when we were little. So we grew up, we both grew up in the midway area, which is the big metropolis of between Alpharetta and Cumming, Georgia, uh, South Forsyth County for those of you with uh with an atlas that may want to look at it. Yeah. Um, that's where we grew up. Um, how was, how was that experience for you? I, I mean, when uh, geographically for me, I, I loved where we lived and you know, how was that for you? It was,
1: yeah, it was the great thing about growing up in in Forsyth County was uh, the sense of community. It always seemed wherever we went and, my stepdad was a mechanic, so a lot of people knew and a lot of people brought, you know, cars to them. So we were, we were um, you know, in certain circles, I guess I'd say, you know, he was, a lot of people knew him and he knew a lot of people. So anytime we went somewhere, but it was good, easy living as far as there wasn't a lot of, you know, contrast that to today. And I don't know how many people even live in Forsyth County now. It's got to be in two hundred and fifty to 300,000 range of, of the amount of people that live there. I have no idea. feel feel free to fact check me on that if uh (laughs) (laughs) if you're out there and you have so the desire but you know growing up it was a small town it was uh everybody kind of knew everybody everybody ate at doris and paulette you know everybody you know we had those famous little restaurants and cafes and stuff you had the super d on the square where you went and got toys and you had you know it was just a it was just a way of life that was very simple um not not at all what it is today today there's a lot of i don't know. What would you call them? Highfalutin, you know, folks that live down there. It it was a a rural community. It was uh, agriculture. It was farming. It was chickens. I can't count the amount of chickens that I've seen in my life. (laughs) I I don't live there anymore, but I know they're still there. But growing up, I had a great childhood. I think I had a great um, a great childhood. We were we were always very stable. We were always, you know, there was always something to do. Um, Well, I say always something to do. When they built the movie theater, maybe there was always something to do. There wasn't a It just wasn't a whole lot in the town, you know, so not like it is today at all. It's a, it's a mecca for entertainment now, but back then it really was. You had the roller rink, you know, I spent a lot of Friday nights at the skating rink, uh, trying not to fall and break
2: (laughs)
0: whatever bones. (laughs) That was
1: it, you know, it was was the eighties. It was big hair and roller rinks and that was it, you know, it was, it
0: was simple. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That was it. If you wanted to go to the mall, you had to go to, at least for us, we had to go to Perimeter Mall or you went up to like Gainesville. So it was an it was thirty minutes to an hour if you wanted to go to the mall. And it was people cruising around in the parking lot of Tri-County Plaza uh right. on the weekends. That was oh, a, yeah. that was the pace of life back then. Yeah. yeah. I had an
1: aunt that used to take us, uh my my uh my aunt would take us to go you know, cruising yes. at the time. I would say she was probably in her she's probably in her mid to late twenties, and I was probably thirteen or fourteen and she had this Big brown monstrosity of a car, like a Lincoln Continental or something. <laughs> and you know, these guys are all cruising in their pickup trucks and their cool cars and Camaros. You know, is a big thing. And here we come. This thing's smoking.
2: You know, <laughs> we cruising not. up. You know,
1: but yeah, it's, it's those are good times, man. The cruising and just just hanging out. You could go anywhere in town and find friends.
0: You know. Yeah, it was it was so cool. Yeah, I was I was young. So I was always the passenger in someone's vehicle, driving you know, driving around in the parking lot. But I yeah, those memories, man, I'll, those I'll remember those forever. It was so cool. <laughs> oh yeah, it was, it was
1: a good time. It was a good time screwing up there. Yeah. It was, it was uh, sometimes I miss it, but then when I drive down there and see the traffic now, like I sound like the old man on the Muppets, like you said, I just want no <laughs> part of that. I work from home now, like I'm <laughs> I'm good. I don't need to I don't need to commute anymore <laughs> like that.
0: Yeah, ex- exactly. Um. So, when you were growing up, and uh, in those early years of your life, what kind of music was playing around your house? What did, What were your What were your parents listening to, or what were you listening to?
1: Yeah, yeah. I would say, um, you know, younger. It was always country. It was always country with a little bit of. You know, we had a um, one of those big old stereos. You remember they were the big consoles that were like five foot long, mm-hmm. like yeah. a vinyl. You know, we had an eight track player in that. And so um my mom had, I remember the first time I ever heard Queen was on that eight. She had an eight track of Queen and I popped it in and it was Fat Bottom Girls, I think. Um and just being like thinking this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. So <laughs> you know, as far as what they listened to was what I listened to. And we always listened to the old the Y one oh six point seven out of Atlanta mm-hmm. that played um current and older country. I mean George Jones um was always a big part. George Jones was my stepdad's favorite Red sovine all those old trucker songs um, you know phantom 309 uh, Johnny Cash of course waylon Willie all the outlaw country what they call outlaw country that was just country back then right so it was right
0: like, exactly uh, but
1: it but but a lot of that and and holidays my mom would have you know because all these country artists would cut Christmas albums so we'd pop in the Christmas album for you know for whoever and, and, and listen to that, but, um, growing up, it was always older country. There was always some Southern rock in there because we live in Georgia and there was, you know, and Leonard Skinner was always a big Mm -hmm. part of of everything that we listened to. and, And hearing those, hearing all those old rock songs, you know, and, and, uh, Allman Brothers, and you'll hear me, admit, I'm sure I'll mention Allman Brothers, that's probably one of the biggest musical influences, though that didn't come later until my teen years, but growing up, but listening to all that stuff and hearing it, and then rediscovering it later, kind of is the context of, like, I remember hearing Ramblin' Man and Blue Sky and all that stuff, but not discovering it until later, when I started right. playing music myself, and, but it was always country, man, it was always, um, you know, Doc Watson, it was always, um, you know, just a lot of the older, what I consider now the older country crooners, the, you know, the, uh, the, George Jones and the type was always huge
0: around our house. Yeah. Well, it was the same for me. Um, You know, it was Merle Haggard, George Jones, a lot of Ricky Skaggs. He was like, he was one of my heroes growing up, we heard a lot of that. And uh, yeah, no, I understand. It's a, it it is amazing how it's kind of like this, the, the, the soundtrack of your childhood. And then when you get old enough to, kind of start being more of an active listener of of stuff you know at least for me you kind of rebel against it a little bit maybe you'll you'll say well here's some things that i know i wouldn't get to listen to at home or that wouldn't be playing on the radio at home but then somewhere along the way maybe you kind of find this middle ground and and find this music that you grew up listening to and then what you chose to listen to it kind of becomes one and the same at some point.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: I I think that, um, you know, looking back on music, the great thing about music and the thing that I've always loved about music is that kind of like you mentioned, I hear this song that I used to hear when I was a kid, but now I'm older and it has a completely different meaning, but I still can relate that back to that memory. Sometimes I can remember where I was, like in my mom's old red Ford uh, Chevy, uh, my mom's old Chevy truck that we used to, drive around and, and but hearing those songs, not wearing a seatbelt, by the way, because we didn't do that crap back in the 80s. And that's, that's right. <laughs> but that's right. How music can link you to a memory so very hard, uh, almost visceral in the way that it connects you emotionally and being able to remember, you know, what song was on the radio when this was happening, what song was on the radio, or what kind of frame of mind was I in. The great thing about music is I hear like, like you mentioned Ricky Skaggs and immediately, I was like Highway 40 Blues. Remember being in my, being in my uh, my stepdad's truck, riding, you know, listening to the Highway 40 blues and things like that. Like, just amazing, amazing song and all that stuff. Alabama was, you know, yes. uh, another one for me. I loved some Alabama when I was a kid. I knew every song. I mean, I, I still do. And but just those connect me so hard to my childhood. That's just like hardwired into into who I am and and kind of music those musical memories, you know.
0: Yeah, and, and and we can and we'll talk more later about kind of where we are now, but we're both not playing music much these days, mm. right? And right and I'm curious about what that's been like for you because I will tell you that when I was really playing a lot of gigs, when I was playing many days a week, the last thing I really wanted to do was to listen to music because I was sick of listening to music. And now that I'm not playing. I I feel like I get to be a an enjoyer of listening of to music again, and it and it does these emotions of listening to it kind of flood back, yeah. uh, and it brings back all of these sense memories of maybe when I was younger, and I'm going back and listening to stuff that I hadn't listened to in 30 years, and I'm curious if if you've had some of that as well. Yeah, um,
1: I think in the context of there are always moments and. The great thing about songs too is they can change meaning for you over the years. Um, I remember, um, at the end of my first marriage, playing that song, uh, playing Amy by Pierre Prairie Lee. And then there's the, the um, the end of the song. There's uh, falling in and out of love with you, you know, and they kind of repeat that line a few, to- uh, a few times. And I remember for a few years after that, I couldn't sing that song. It really, uh, you know, was something that was a reminder of kind of a, a difficult time in my life. But I think it has evolved, and I've become friends with that song again. Um, so yeah, songs like that 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 kind of connect you to either a good or a bad memory. And I hope I'm answering your question right. But uh, but yeah, having those experiences and and kind of linking that back to childhood, and even watching certain songs and certain music evolve over the years um, is truly a blessing and a and a curse in a way. Like you you mentioned, not being able to enjoy music while you're playing so much music right I, I totally relate to that because there are just times where you because you know you know how it is we there's a certain group of songs like everybody knows wholesome prison or whatever but nobody wants to play it everybody likes the song you know or, or whatever but like it, it, it just it can change shape and it can change meaning for you over the years and and, and just kind of relating that back is, is is one of the things i've always enjoyed about music is is just yeah. being able to do that and to connect that with memories over the span of my life
0: i remember lisa and i going to a concert over the summer, and I think it may had been the first concert that we had gone to since I would, had been playing all the time. Yeah, I remember her looking at me and saying, "It's so nice just going with you and watching you not sit there thinking about what they're doing the whole time."
2: And
1: I, like, yeah, that you're right. It is so hard as a as a working musician to go somewhere and see live music and to not be like, "You're playing that wrong." <laughs> Or or, or, just, or, just being critical of their tone or oh, I hear a buzz in the speaker. Or, you know, I've spent years and years in bars and restaurants down and all over North Georgia and whatnot. But it's hard to go somewhere when there's live music. I have to go where I know the music's going to be good. I will not. I will not go if I know it's going to be crappy. That's it.
0: I'm, no. I'm not going
1: because it'll ruin it for me. But I do know what you're talking about as far as. Being able to enjoy music. You know, I've gone to my son over uh, this summer. We went to a Michael Jackson tribute concert, um, tribute band concert thing. And uh, he's really big into Michael Jackson right now. Loves all the dance moves, does all the stuff. Hee hee. It's so funny. We'll be in the living room and I'll hear a hee hee from upstairs, you know. But I was truly able to enjoy that. I was truly able. One, because I don't play a whole lot of Michael Jackson songs. But just the, the entertainment value of it. And watching him discover music has been a blessing too,
0: you know. So. Oh, yeah. Right there with you. So we go through elementary school. We're proud alumni of Midway Elementary School. Mustangs. Uh, oh, yeah. The Midway Mustangs. We left there and went to South Forsyth Middle School, which at the time was, I can't even believe the fact that it was a combined middle school and high school. Yeah, I had to, um, I had
1: classes with seniors in my class.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we started there as seventh graders and had... uh people who were old enough to vote in, in some of our classes, which was crazy. <laughs> were you doing anything with music in middle school? When, oh, when, did, when did music start with you at school?
1: You know, I would say I was 15. So I think middle school, I was more experimenting with sports. Um, I was trying to be a football player. I was terrible at it. Thank God. And then, um, you know, I really didn't do anything musically during middle school. And that was only, like you mentioned, We were seven th- we only went to two years of middle school it was a transition mm-hmm. from the old system to the new but um I don't remember doing anything other than chorus. I did mm-hmm. I did because by then I had kind of discovered I kind of like chorus and you know and it was an easy a you know and and uh, um, but I think I did I did chorus and whatnot but really my freshman year of high school um not to skip ahead away from the middle school but there wasn't a whole lot going on musically other than um, I would say going to concerts because I was definitely in seventh seventh or eighth grade. And when I went to White Snake, um, seeing Steve Vai, Steve Vai played guitar for them at the time. And he was a huge oh, guitar.
3: Wow,
1: yeah. So he was a huge guitar. I'll tell you what, I'm going to reframe this and I the memories are coming flooding back. So before I started playing guitar at 15 in middle school, I had this thing where we had an old guitar. It was an old, it didn't have strings. It didn't work as an old electric guitar. And it was, I remember it was white with like black stripes. It's kind of like a Van Halen kind of feel to it, mm-hmm. but it Kind of a rip off of that, and I would sit in front of my mirror, play music, and mimic the what I thought was the the sound coming out of guitar <laughs> on this old guitar without any strings. By them. I did end up repairing it years later, and it actually kind of worked. Whatever, but but I will say that. So there were two things that I used to do. I used to sit in front of this guitar and dream in front of this mirror with this guitar and dream of kind of learning to play guitar one day, never thinking that I would actually would. Then the second thing that I would do, as you know, my my other musical passion at time and and even in high school was, was percussion. I was enamored with drummers. I was really enamored with, um, Greg Bissonnette was kind of my, one of my big, I just, the way he, the way he played was just magnetic to me. And I remember seeing a video of him somewhere on MTV, they were doing like a documentary on him because he was a very famous, you know, he was
0: probably playing with David Lee Roth at the time is I'm guessing. Yeah, that sounds
1: right. That sounds right. And, um, but I would take, remember, you know, five hangers and closets now are just a big piece of plastic, but it used to be a piece of wire and you had a cardboard
2: tube. Yes. I would
1: take those tubes off and I would sit in front of my mirror again, working on my timing, working on my time and, and doing all the, and I do no, know, I don't know, Jack idea what I was doing. You know what I mean? I mean? It was just, but it was so ingrained in me. I think it, it's kind of like with my son, like, I have no idea. I like, I, I mean, he sees I play guitar and stuff like that, but he is, it's just ingrained in him, you know, and he gets it from both sides because my wife's, grandfather's tommy Rowe, uh Bill, that's right you're from the 50s and 60s and i think you guys are even related somehow on that front i don't know I, but yeah i think we are but sitting in front of that mirror and the drums was my big thing because i felt like i was better at pretending to play the air drums than <laughs> i was the air guitar it just sounds so ridiculous but it was truly one of my times of escape i would come home i would do my homework i would do whatever i procrastinate my homework whatever but i would go and play these tapes and, and uh, you know, we had, um, I was a big, that's kind of when I started getting into buying music and consuming music. I spent so much money on, I mean, um, but, but bands like rap, you know, kind of the counterculture to country, right? Let me go punk. Let me go awful punk. You know, like, but, <laughs> yes. but even, even things like Kiss, George Michael. Uh, I remember George Michael's album coming out. That song Faith was a big deal. Me and my oh, cousins yeah. would all sit around and make up dances to these songs. <laughs> it, was, it seemed kind of... See, I had old girl cousins, by the way. I just had no choice. It was either play with them or, or don't play at all. Right? So <laughs> we would always, even from a young age, they would make up these dances to like Grease when that soundtrack was out, you know, and it mm-hmm. was popular in the early 80s. But consuming music and consuming all kinds of music. I mean, I had stuff in my tape collection from, you know, like Run DMC. Earl Smith was a big one. Um, you know, Joe Perry changed my life um, You know George Michael, like I mentioned, but all these tapes of all these people, and then I'd have like some George Jones in there. You know, I'd have rap, George Jones, Merle Haggard <laughs> tape, or whatever. And and some. What was funny is I didn't have to buy any country tapes because we already had them. I right? <laughs> just, right. right, just steal them, right? I just steal borrow. is a better word but, yeah. like my stepdad or my mom. And so that was kind of the foundation. Now that I kind of think, because I was thinking about this the other day, I was like, what was I doing? But but put it in context of middle school, I was consuming all kinds of music. And then we kinda of get into high school where I start playing guitar. It's kind of kind of that, that journey from, from middle school. But it was I was basically just consuming music in middle school.
0: But that's I would say that that probably was a springboard for you were developing your ear. Yep. You were building your sense of time and rhythm. And then you move into high school, start playing, and all that stuff that you had been absorbing then spits out for you creatively. That's right. right? And and I and I try to you know I would try to tell our daughter that y- you need to be creating as much as you're consuming. Right. Is right? if you consume X amount of content, you need to be creating X amount of content. I agree.
1: I agree. Yeah. I I think so. And I think that it all kind of started out as a competition between me and my cousin. Uh, I was over at his house and he would come get me and pick me up and we'd go get some food or whatever. We'd just tool around, whatever. And uh, we were at his house and he said, man, he said, I started kind of playing guitar. He said, listen to this. And he started tinkering with it. And it was uh, the intro to Dream On by Aerosmith. (laughs) Dude, that is cool. (laughs) <laughs> we had one guitar it was his stepdad's at the time and we just kind of traded back and forth and i'm like i didn't even know how to hold it and but that that competition kind of started off started up, and then pretty soon it wasn't very long before i was playing songs you know for my mom yeah. and stuff i still remember the first one straight to hell by driving and crying so <laughs> that had to be like 1991 or two but so their album had been out for that was just my favorite song at the time He was in the bathtub taking a bath, and I went and knocked on the door. I said, Mom, I got a song. I think I got a song I can play for you. She said, okay, let me hear it. And I play Straight to Hell. At the end, my mom, my mom's a beautiful Southern lady. She said, well, that sounded really
2: nice. (laughs) And I have no
1: idea what the lyrics mean. I just know we're all going straight to hell, right? And my mom was so nice about it. But anyway, that
0: that was the first song I ever played for Oh, that is fantastic. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Have I never told that's you that awesome. story? No, oh, I've true. never heard that. And then
1: the floor outside my mom's bathroom, I'm playing, um, going straight to hell. It was-
0: oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. But, yeah.
1: She said, well, that was nice. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Mom likes it, so okay. go i back and learn more songs.
0: There we go. <laughs> the bar has been set. <laughs> the bar has been set oh that's great so so here we are in high school um i was a big old band kid at that point uh i mean i had been doing middle school band and, and then the high school band and then you started playing percussion which was really cool yeah, yeah.
1: It, 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 it by that time you know i started playing when i was a freshman i played and played and played i was in the point where i was doing it you know like I mentioned earlier, every morning, every night, just kind of playing. Sometimes I'd lay in my bed with my eyes closed and try to get my chords, just to make sure that I could do this stuff. Because the hardest thing for me was transitioning between chords at the time when you're first learning, and I was all self taught, taught by ear, you know, or whatever. I I uh, I can read rhythms. I don't really read music. I never have, but that's why discussion that kind of appealed to me because it was like, I can play these. And I remember coming over to your house and we were in your basement mm-hmm. and you had a book and it, you're like, this is a quarter note. This is a time signal." like teaching me literally the first theory I had ever been exposed to as far as <laughs> this is what a quarter note is. And there's two, those are eighth notes. And, and I remember the first day we got through like half the damn book. I mean, it was, just, I, remember that. I soaked it up. I remember you telling somebody, you're like, he went through like four or five pages and Thirty minutes, and I was—I just, just had a natural knack for reading, you know, rhythms and things like that. And I think that's why when I play guitar, I play percussively. And I think it all goes back to that because, you know, you got to have percussion. I don't know, you got to—you got to have something in something. there. I don't know. I just have always liked the sound of a nice, percussive yeah. guitar. You know,
0: yeah. I—I yeah. I had been—I thinking about having this conversation with you. I thought about that day, and I remember that. I remember thinking, "Wow, he—he he gets it," and it you, you see those light bulb moments with, with people, it was like, it, it validated everything that you had been doing. And it was like, oh, okay, this all makes sense. Now this is, this is the, this is the information that backs up all of this stuff that I've been doing for a while.
1: It really kind of cemented everything because it was like, oh, this is stuff I've already been doing. I just didn't know that I was doing it. Does that yeah. make, you know, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And knowing sense. where yeah. the changes were and knowing, you know, and I remember discovering uh something that stands out about me, about my whole musical experience, because I wasn't a musical person really. And I didn't play, I played half of my junior year. I remember during concert season and then all of my senior year, I did both marching band and then, and then, uh, you know, concert season and all that. But I remember it just kind of cementing for me what I had kind of known. It was just, it was like discovering something that you already knew, but you you know what I mean? You just hadn't quite placed the connections together yet. And when that yeah. happened, it was really, I kind of had a knack for the rhythms and I kind of had a knack for, you know, and I never got beyond playing bass drum, but, um, you know, I can't do all the, all the fancy, you know, paradiddles and all the, I still I do this thing where I do paradiddles on my chest like all the time. It's, it's <laughs> a habit. I do I do it too. seriously just, just I'll be out somewhere. <laughs> I'll be patting my chest and people will think it's so funny, but it, I'm drumming. It's, it's, it's just it's just kind of in me. But it was it was truly that whole musical experience during high school and really even marching band and, you know, rhythm and being I thought quite good at it. I thought we were good for a little double A school. You know, we were oh, just a tiny tiny school. They're like six A or seven A now. I don't know. They got thousands and thousands of kids there. But being able to kind of make that connection was really like you said, validating. It was really like, Okay, this is cool. And then I could take what I learned from percussion and the fight guitar and what I had learned from guitar kind of about performing in front of people and stuff and kind of mixing that all together was kind of what formed my identity early on, you know?
0: Yeah, no, that's it. And I wouldn't trade anything for, for my public school music education that I got. And I think the things that I learned starting in the seventh grade, I still, I used every time I would go and play a gig somewhere. I mean, that was, it really what did they were the building blocks of my whole musical life, and it. I think it's important that that kids get involved if they, if they have an interest for music in any way. Getting involved in an organization of like-minded people and playing and having to rehearse and learn music to perform together. I think it's important because yeah. that learning the process of it. I think is what is the most valuable lesson of it. It's learning how to learn it.
1: Right. Learning how to learn it, learning how you learn, because different people learn different ways. But I think the thing you connected there was playing music together, because I've had fun playing music by myself for people. Don't get me wrong. There's absolutely nothing like stepping up on stage with a bunch of your buddies and, the, and producing something. You know, I can play the same song, but you never, and I don't care what anybody says, you never play the same song the same way and so I've always looked at it like we produce this art we create this content and it's truly a special moment and maybe I'm overthinking it but it's just kind of how my, my philosophy has always been of you know of creating these moments of of you know serendipity or uh, or of appreciation and kind of getting that energy back from people it's the best feeling in the world and you know that you've done something good and if you're lucky you got paid to do it although you know that's not why you do it I, I always tell people i play I don't I love to play music, but I'll never do it. I'll never do it for free just because unless there's a call, you know, and I, yep, you know, there's right. a charity or something like that, you know, but it's just, it's amazing
0: how all that kind
1: of comes together.
0: Yeah, it really is. Um, and it, there's nothing like getting to play music with other people.
2: Yeah. That, that you like. <laughs> that's it.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've played people, I've played music with people that I had met that day and had a great time. But when I get to play with people that I've just, love as human beings there is nothing better it's it it is an experience like no other i agree so yeah yeah it's great so so after high school you went to college yeah and and you were where'd you go to school
1: i went to um i went to georgia southern um first in statesboro georgia which is about i don't know three hours four hours southeast of atlanta kind of towards savannah um went there for a while Um, had some high school friends that went there also, and always had my guitar, always had, I took a, my first music theory class I ever took was there, and I remember the guy being like, hey, does anybody play guitar, and I was immediately like, I'm your guy, you know, so what he wanted was at the beginning one of the classes was to come up and demonstrate on your, uh, on your instrument, what the instrument sounded like, and you know, he had like a clarinet player and a horn player, brat, you know, all the stuff, and guitar, and somebody had a big drum or something, you know, and and um, I, it's supposed to be just like a ten fifteen second little thing, right? <laughs> no, I wasn't having that. So I went and practiced because it was like he's like, give us like a week heads up. He's like, hey, next week come in class, let's do a little ditty, whatever. I So okay. well, I just heard, um, I just heard recently. I I got really big into Stevie Ray Vaughan, and I, I'm gonna mess the song up. I don't remember, but there's this lick where he he does. It is an instrumental song. He's um, you know, it this whole crazy thing, and I could I was nowhere near that, so I came up with a, kind of my own version of that lick, and it ended up being like a minute long. And he ended up having to stop me. He's like, "Okay, okay, you know what I mean? I'm just jamming on the tape." And when I got done and I struck that last chord, the whole class there was like 300 people in there were like, ah. "I mean, it was like it was like serendipitous." You know what I mean? It was just one of those things. I was like, "Holy
2: crap, that was cool! That was cool!"
1: And that's when I started kind of getting into playing out places and stuff like that. Cause just that energy of getting that back, that love back from people was enough for me. I was hooked right then. Yeah. Yeah. I went to UGA. Um, Mm -hmm. I transferred up and met some lifelong friends there who I'm still friends with today. Um, music we started a band that was the most awful band probably in the history of Athens Georgia but it was uh, we played I think we played two or three gigs total but I get I get there and I'm going around looking for roommates you know I need to stay somewhere I got to stay in an apartment and I walk into this apartment and there's a set of drums in the living room where there should be a couch but it's outside they've taken the couch outside
2: <laughs> and
1: it took me about three minutes to be like this is where I want to live <laughs> because there was a guitar, there was bass, there was drums. They had beer caps everywhere. Beer—I mean, was just, it was—it was crazy. It was a crazy party time in my life, really of, of just kind of that college experience of uh-huh. you know of, of of being around people. But I will say that there was a moment. So we, we were called Baja Del Sol. We were not Spanish. We—it was all a bunch of gringos. <laughs> and I don't—I don't remember why we named the band Baja Del Sol, but it wasn't my idea. But we get into kind of playing around um, each other and kind of swapping musical stories. And we had a virtuoso in our house. Okay. His name was Bob Ruggiero. He was Italian, the guy from New Jersey. And he had started playing guitar about four months before that. And he played harmonica and he could play percussion. He had never played music before in his life. And in six months he was already better than I was. And at that point I had been (laughs) playing for five or six years. It was infuriating. (laughs) And he was He's a big Grateful Dead fan and Almond Brothers. We were all Almond Brothers fans, and I remember being in the living room one day, and we were kind of running through something, and we started playing Blue Sky. And I just remember being like, "This is the coolest!" I was probably just standing there with a big shitty grin, or excuse me, <laughs> I was probably just standing there with a big grin on my face of you know, this is so cool, like it's happening. This is this is the beginning of it. we're going to be we're going to win Grammys. I mean, you know. As <laughs> It's one of those ridiculous, ridiculous things, but I just, uh, it it really was another moment, like a light bulb moment. You know, I've had several I've had through my life of of, of here and this is, this is cool and this is, this is fun. And we did some gigs together. We even wrote some songs together. Couldn't remember any of them now, but, but we had a good time. I mean, it, it was just one of those things of going out with your buddies, your roommates. We all lived together. We all fought. I mean, we fought like brothers. It was crazy. It was just like stereotypical stuff you hear, you know, early on of like one of those bands trying to, make a difference, make whatever, you know, <laughs> it was, it was, it was a truly interesting time in college for a few years. I was there for a couple of years. It, uh, it really helped me. And I went home on the weekends. I'd go to school during the week. I would go home on the weekends and play. That's when I got hired for my first gig at Spawn Divots in Cumming, Georgia.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. 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 Yep. I, I've played, I, I played at Spawn Divots as well. And, uh, yeah, that place was a staple of, uh, of that area.
1: Yeah. And, and a lady named Tina Jones, I know, you know, Tina Jones Yes, um, was working there and was a manager. I thought she was the most beautiful person I'd ever seen in my life at the time. And I was like, she was, <laughs> she was like, I played a couple songs for free for like a lunch crowd one day on a Saturday. And she's like, you want a gig? You got it. And then I would go because in college towns, there's no jobs. Nobody tells you that there's no jobs for people. <laughs> it's just, all the kids working for, for nothing. So I'd drive home on the weekends. I had a restaurant job at a barbecue place. I'd work 7 a.m. to 1, get cut at 1, 2 to 6, go play music, come back 7 to 11, close the restaurant. It was literally like a, I don't know, a 20-hour day. But I made some good money, and I made, I made you know, a lot of memories in Spondivitz and playing just for the, the late afternoon lunch crowd. It was just so, it was so random. But that was my first introduction, getting paid and getting, you know, kind of learning
0: stuff. And then from there, it was just,
1: let's play everywhere we can, you know? So that's kind awesome of took off
0: from there. Yeah. That, that's great. So when you were playing at Divots, did you meet Mark Mundy around that time? Did you know him yet? When did you I, meet Mark? So, so
1: I met them through at Divits. Um, so, so I've been playing there for a while and I was, um, I, I was j- just turned 21 because you couldn't go in there and play if you were, you know, it was a bar. So, Mm-hmm. I just turned 21. Um, I had met Mark, but just in passing. Um, so an old friend of ours, you, John Langdon, uh, played drums with them. I think they were called the Hooplas at the time, maybe. Um, yes. So John played with them um, and we had gone to a house and he's like, this dude's in the Urban Shake Dancers. Uh, he's an amazing guitar player and whatever. And he was. I just remember sitting there being like, "This this dude's on a whole different level of, you know, just whatever. And then the Spondivitz Connection, their band played at Spondivitz pretty much every Friday night or every other. They were there several times a month, you know, and uh, and knowing John and John knew that I sang and stuff. And so one night um, it happened to where um their singer, Jody Abernathy, uh, Mark Mundy was there. They had a guy that was a chiropractor that played on the bass. I don't remember his name, but he was a chiropractor. We called him like Dr. Nate. Or something like that. I forget. But uh, so I got introduced to them through John, and one night at Swan and we did a song. They, hey, do you know this song? And I'm like, yeah, I know it. Good enough to do it. Let's do it. And and that was kind of, kind of more like an acquaintance at first, you know. And that was probably oh, what year was that? It was a long time ago. So that would have been, like been, been,
0: been, been like
1: ninety. It would have been late ninety eight. It would have been late nineties. It'd have been like ninety nine, because I was going okay. to I was going to UGA and all that stuff in ninety nine. So. That sounds about right. ninety eight, ninety nine, And then, so I met him in the late nineties and then just over time, you know, I'd go see them play and I'd sing a song with them, you know, or whatever. And they used to do all these cool Detroit rock city was one of my favorites that they did the kiss song and, uh, mm-hmm. going and seeing them play. And so we just kind of developed that, um, kind of a professional, you know, and then after a while now I've been friends with a guy for, you know, gosh, 25 years. And, uh, you know, yeah, I've known him for a long time. He's a good, he's a good dude. Great player.
0: Yeah, well, he's he's as good as there is as far as I'm concerned and he's, he's okay. An I I'll, human- I'll tell him if he keeps practicing he's going to be really good. One
1: day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'll I'll, like say what, I'll go to the, I'll go to one of their gigs or something still and you know they're across the wide now and I'll be like, you know, if you guys keep practicing you all are going to be
0: really good. Yeah. Day. Yeah, I appreciate what you're trying to do. I really <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hear it. I think I kind of hear it. <laughs> did you uh did you know Matt? At the, when did you meet Mark's brother, Matt?
1: I didn't meet Matt um, until probably years later, but it would have been at, um, I met him at um, a bar there in Cumming, Georgia, still there, called Good Old Days. And that would have been more like 20, probably 20. 20- 12, 2011, somewhere around in there. But they used to play every Sunday afternoon and, uh, Mm -hmm. you'd go there and it was kind of like a family thing, you know? It was very impressive. Um, they don't have necessarily rabid fans, but they have a ton of fam, family and friends who are all their fans too. So, um, going and seeing and meeting, meeting Matt. I know I met Matt and probably their mother at the same time, uh, Francis, um, Somewhere around in there, and I actually did a couple songs with Francis a few times, and just yeah, just they're just they're lovely people. It's a musical family. They, um, uh, I would say my first gig. I got a call one day from Matt, uh, from Mark, rather, and he said, "Hey, uh, Jody had been working out. Jody likes to work out and had dropped the weight on, it, and I don't know if he broke it or whatever, but he couldn't play. He was in a lot of pain, and so he calls me. This was probably 2013, mm-hmm. 2012, 2013, and he calls me and says, hey, you you sing and you know. I know you play. You, you can play with me and Wendell. Uh, I'm like, I had to think about it for a second because these guys are like
2: musical heroes of
1: mine locally. You know, I've always said, coming Georgia is kind of like a renaissance of music. There's enough talent just in that town to have one of the
0: best, whatever genre you want, really, right? It's quite <laughs> yeah. remarkable how many people have come out of that town. It's it, unbelievable. It's yeah. it insane. So,
1: so him and Wendell were playing a gig, and I went and sat my ass right down in between them, and and played as best I could, and, and just. Let them do the guitar work, and it was it was phenomenal, but that was my first so Mark and I really I'd say our friendship over the last ten fifteen years has definitely been more more friendship and respect and camaraderie and all that stuff and you know if I ever had a gig I couldn't do, I'd call him, and if he ever had a gig that they couldn't do, they'd call us, and really just kind of a musical community, you know it's been great,
0: yeah he's uh they're just they're just some fantastic people and i I was late to the game of meeting them, um, yeah. I don't think I met them until. 2012 maybe yeah somewhere around there that I met those guys but I felt like I'd known them my whole life immediately you know we and 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 I think their story is similar to ours that they were around music from an early age around family members that all played music and kind of grew up being sponges listening to everything that they could and just kind of this amalgamation of of what all they listened to and and They spit out all this creative stuff, you know. Uh the great songwriters, great singers, you know. So yeah, I have just so much love and respect for those guys. Yeah, I remember
1: being uncharacteristically excited when they told me you were going to be in the band. (laughs) I was just I was so happy. I was like, dude, that is so cool. You guys are gonna have a great time. Just having those conversations about it. I was very I was probably more excited than you were for you to be. I could not
2: wait to go see them
0: it was um it was so much fun for me because I got to play a lot of songs that I grew up listening to that I'd never gotten to play, yeah, and I played a lot of those songs with different bands over the years, but a lot of those tunes that that across the wide does um uh, that Jody sings that uh I hadn't gotten to play before, and it was just so much fun getting to sing those harmony parts with mark and and yeah, talking about. Their fans, the people that yeah. followed the band, or would come to Good Old Days, or come work to the to the music store when they had that. I mean, and I'm sure you felt the same way. They treated you like family from the moment you met them. Absolutely. Everybody that came to yeah. hear them, they are just the nicest people in the world.
1: They're the nicest people, and really, that entire community of people, I think they refer to it as the wrong crowd. Uh, you know, is mm-hmm. is are just genuine. Good people, hardworking people who know how to know how to have a good time, who know how to you know support a band. I mean, you 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 see the same folks at a lot of their gigs. You see um, just people follow them around locally and even further out. You know they've gone they've gone several places regionally, but but having those um, having that tight knit community of family like they do um, is definitely something special. And they 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 have made themselves a spot among North Georgia music and. People know them far and wide. It's just just an amazing experience. That entire community. It's really something special to be a part of, and especially in kind of in our hometown of where we grew up, and you know, kind of seeing that.
0: that that's exactly right. They they have been very instrumental in keeping music alive in that area. Well, and, and continue gonna, to do so.
1: I was going to say that because kind of like you and I were talking about how nobody really does that anymore. You know, this is kind of what it's evolved into because when you go to their gigs, it's kind of like a family thing. And I think we always tried to make sure. When we were playing, um, you know, myself and and, and Matt Alexander, um, trying to make sure that we appreciated people coming out because it's a big deal. We live in a busy, busy world. We live in a world that demands a lot of everybody. And to be able to take that and take your precious spare time that you have and come spend it with us for three hours. Is truly remarkable and I think it's again one of those things where it's like they could be anywhere doing anything but they're here doing this with you because they enjoy your music and, and all, all that kinds of thing I think that's always how I've tried to look at a community and over the last year and a half I've discovered how big of a community really that I've had and that I didn't know that I had that
0: I certainly appreciate for several reasons. Well Brian I will tell you what everyone that knows you knows is that you are just, you are a treasure. And when you sing, when you're on stage playing music for people, they know you mean it. And yeah. they know that you don't take it lightly. You, you don't take it lightly. It's not a gig. It's, you're there to to share that experience with the people that came to be there with you. Yeah,
1: Cause that's really what it's all about it's just it's no different than when i was a kid and we were all gathered out on the front porch everybody's there to have a good time and i don't look at it as a job i look at it as, as a privilege uh a privilege that i get to play this music and maybe people forget about their their crap for a minute and maybe they remember uh or yeah you know, i've had so many people come up and go oh that song that song takes me back to when i was 17. i play a lot of you know, I'll play a lot of older stuff and, um, but people will be like, man, I remember being in my, you know, my Pontiac Trans Am, you know, with tops, and that song came on the radio, but that's again about connecting back to, you know, about connecting back to a memory for a lot of people. Everybody does that. And I truly hope that everybody has that experience at least a couple of times. A
0: month. That's it. That's exactly it. You know, and I consider myself very lucky in that I, I've gotten to be the beneficiary of being on stage with you and getting to play and sing with you. And um, we've done band gigs. We've done all kinds of stuff. But for me, the most fun I would ever have is when you and I would just get to play with just the two of us. It was so yeah. much fun. I remember being
1: like in the back of good old days at the back bar or or maybe out on the patio. You know, just you you have a musical catalog that is just really far exceeds anything. I, you know, I think I have a great musical catalog and taste but i remember like uh we were playing um we were playing good old days and we were playing uh, uh maybe it was uh listen to the music or something like maybe some doobie brothers or something like that but just being like i would never some of these chords i had never even played before so
0: you know, <laughs> like that's good you fooled me that's man great. <laughs> you Yeah. <sounded> great. yeah. <laughs> you, you know and one thing i would always tell people about you is that you would you would play and sing every song like it was the last one you would ever get to do, and that is just so f- fantastic to me. And I and I, it was inspiring, and it was something I aspired to do because you know there are times when you're tired, you've worked all week, and then you've got to go play, and the, the your mind wants you to just phone it in. And but man, when you were on stage, it was inspiring to me to to give it more because I knew that's what you were doing. It was just, it was just an inspiring thing to be, to be there with you.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to do anything halfway as far as music goes. I don't, if, if I play a song or I'm trying to learn a song and I can't get it right, or I can't at least come up with a version of it that I can, uh, you know, digest. I don't play it. I play, I play songs that I know. I play songs that I can play. I play songs that I can sing. I'm not one to try to venture out of the comfort zone. I'm, in a way that I will if I have to, but I definitely am a a homebody kind of for songs and stuff. But people never got tired of the songs that we played, so we just kept playing songs. People never got tired of it. I never had anybody come up and be like, man, you play that song every time. Yeah, but I sing it different every time because, like I said, you never perform the same song twice the same way. And and just, you may come one week and hear uh, a lot of blues. You may come one week and hear a lot of old country. We always just tried to mix it up, you know, keep it, keep it fresh as fresh as we could for people.
0: So I, I've been wondering about this. How did you meet Matt Alexander and start playing music together? Well,
1: it was, um, it was 2012 and we um, met through a mutual friend of ours. There was this place I used to play called the Robin Hood Tavern. You actually probably, we actually probably played there. I don't know if it was the Robin Hood Tavern at the time. It's been, yeah. it well, I think it was. And so they were closing down the restaurant group that owned them, uh, the landlord of the building where they were, were going to raise the rent and they were going to be Whatever. So they decided just to close down the business. So they had a bash. It was on like a, it was like a Wednesday before Thanksgiving or something. Okay. It was like sometime around Thanksgiving that they closed down, if I remember right. And I go, uh, my friend Jimmy invites me, this guy named Jimmy Kavanaugh, who's another local musician guy. And he says, Hey, they're doing this jam for, uh, uh, the Robin Hood Tavern. They're closing down. It'll be the last one. And then they're closing down next day. They'll be gone. I'm like, okay. So he invites me out and we had this friend of ours named Gyro. Uh, he was a drummer. Um, Honestly, I don't know his real name, but it's not Gyro. <laughs> but he was friends with Matt through a business association. Um, through a business connection. They had done some business together. Matt works at a place that makes signs and stuff, and Lewis Lewis, that's his name. Gyro. They were starting a they were starting a business and they wanted Matt to do anyway, he knew Matt played guitar and whatever. So we go and I hear this guy play, and immediately I was just like, God, this guy is just ripping it up. I mean, he was just slinging these beats. He had an old uh, telecaster he was playing and um, I just remember being very, very impressed with him and I introduced myself and we talked and that was about it. Well, the next week my friend Jimmy calls me again and he's Hey, I got this gig at a Mexican place called Cinco and he was like, Um, I got a gig, our band is coming and we've invited a few people out come and, come and jam with us again. I'm like, Okay, you know. I got nothing better to do, and all so went. And then it ended up at one point myself and Matt, and then we had a bass player and a drummer, and we played Johnny Be Good. And it was probably like an eight-minute version of Johnny Be Good because Matt just went off on <laughs> some soloing. He's very versatile. He's jazz trained, but he, he has a good ear for the country. He's a big um big fan of the chicken picking, I like to call it, you know, the Chid Atkins and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so I met him and it was just immediately we were I was just Dude, you're, you're playing with anybody? And he's like, nah. He's like, I I go back and forth to Alabama a lot. And, um, you know, I play with this band and we do all this stuff. And, okay, you know, and so I get his number, we exchange information. And that's kind of the end of it. You know, that was like the beginning of the end of November, beginning of December. And in January, I get a call from a guy named Steve Berryhill, who you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw him the other day, by the way. Lovely, lovely, lovely man. And I uh, love him. I, he said, hey, we've been doing this heavy metal thing on Mondays and it's kind of flittered out and there's not a lot of people coming in. I saw you play a few months ago with Wendell and Mark. That was right around the time. That's how I knew it was 2012 because I'd played. He's like, and I really enjoyed you playing. You you come play like an acoustic night and we're going to try this acoustic thing for a while. And I'm like, OK. He said, you got anybody to play with you? And I was like, uh, i come up with somebody. And so I called a few people. And then I remembered I had this guy, Matt Alexander, his information. So I called him. Hey, uh, Brian, and we met, you know, and we get to talk, and I was like, would you be interested in doing this acoustic thing with me? Like, yeah, that sounds good. And that was 10 years ago, and we played for the better part of a decade. Uh, we we played, the, the acoustic thing worked for a while. Um, we had a big thing, and then it kind of fizzled out the fall. You know, people go back to school. I think we did 40 or 45 shows concurrently on a Monday night, Monday night of all night. Um, it kind of happened at a good time in my life because I had just gotten laid off from a job. I needed extra money. So. Mm-hmm. pretty soon it was like we're playing that and we just pretty much played uh good old days and then once that ended it was like we got nothing to, so we started booking we started booking shows you know i think we got up to where we were doing i think the most i ever did in a year was probably 85 90 shows with him we would do wow. friday saturday and then we would do private stuff on sundays or we would do mm-hmm we do whatever we play wherever and and it was truly from the beginning of it we've never had crosswords we've never had we've had musical discussions and work songs out and stuff just like you do when you're working musician but meeting him was just just kind of by happenstance now he's been one of my wow. best friends for the past decade we've played uh multiple venues around north georgia we played in both the duo form was kind of the most of what we did but we also had a band. We went through a few iterations of that. Um We had a, a band called Backroom Revival. And some of the guys in the band thought that they owned a piece of the band and they could do this, that, and the other. And I'm like, well, we started this. We're the, we're the bosses, me and Matt. <laughs> and then we changed the name to Jared Alexander Band so nobody would have any questions
2: as to who That's was in wise. charge.
1: <laughs> right. so, and, and you played a couple of gigs with us. I remember playing at the mm-hmm. old Castleberry Ale House. Yes. We had a piano player, a guy named Wally Haynes, and, we had a uh, we just we just had a blast and we just played every weekend. So for the better part of ten years, uh, we've played together. I've played five gigs in ten years without him. Maybe I mean it was just wow. one of those things. We instantly connected. We respect each other. He's a just a wonderful human being. I'm, I'm friends with his wife. I'm friends with his daughter. They're just amazing family, amazing people. And it's truly been one of the most unexpected blessings in my life to have gotten to play music with him because he's just so versatile and so he'll just he just I don't know. He's one of one of my guitar heroes for sure.
0: Yeah. Versatile is certainly the perfect word to describe his musicianship. I those handful of times that I played with you guys, I'm like, "Whoa." Yeah. He just he just brings just this very old soul vibe to what he pl- every song he plays. It just yeah. every, whatever he chooses to play whether whether it's the the licks he plays or the tone in which he plays them. Everything just fits the song the right way. Whenever he does it, it's really yeah. cool.
1: He was a big. I would encourage folks. Um, one of his big influences was a guy named Danny Gatlin. And um, mm-hmm.
2: Danny Gatlin, yeah, Gatlin. Yeah. Okay, yes.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I said Gatlin, like he's a Gatlin brother. Uh, Danny Gatlin, and <laughs> and just I hear some of those. I'll go back and listen to some of that old stuff, and I'm like, it sounds like mad up on that stage playing. I mean, he was just so engrossed in that. But again, it was that like chicken picking kind of. Danny Gatton was just an amazing, he could make the guitar say anything he wanted it to say. Yes. And that's kind of how Matt is in a lot yeah. of ways. Um, and I definitely respect it.
0: I, uh, another story for another time, but I w- one of my claim to fame is that uh, I went out on a date with Danny Gatton's daughter when I was in high school. Did you really?
3: Yeah. I oh, had to funny. tell Matt
0: that. that. <laughs> I sure <laughs> did. It was crazy. Uh, yeah. His, Danny's mom uh, used to come to the post office where my mom worked and s- found out that I did music and started bringing CDs for, to, for my mom to give to me. And then really, lo and behold, yeah. Danny's daughter was going to be in town for a show. And yeah, it was this crazy thing. So, but yeah, it was, that was,
2: <laughs>
0: interesting. it was
1: funny. It's another one yeah, of those really stories, weird. right? Like you just, we've been friends for forty some years. It's the first time I've ever heard that
2: story. That's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: Was it? Yeah, that's right. Well, and here here's one that, that we talked about offline, that I had completely forgotten about, and that was you went with me. You went with me on my college visit when I went to look at Belmont University. You go, yeah, you went
1: to go look at Belmont.
0: Yeah, we uh, we borrowed your mom's car. It was a white car, is all I remember. She had a she had a, a Chrysler LeBaron. LeBaron. I it was. A, I
1: was just about to say LeBaron. I swear so I was. LeBaron. But we yeah. drove that thing from your house. In Alpharetta, Georgia, all the way up, we were, what were we, 18? We're yeah. it's going to be 18. And so you had a friend of yours that had produced some of your earlier records, if I remember right, a guy named Bruce Bauten.
0: Bruce Bauten, yeah. He, he,
1: he's kind he, of what, famous you in different circles, especially... You,
0: yeah. yeah. You, you talk about highway 40 blues earlier. He's, he played still guitar on that cut. Yeah. That's wow. Him. I
1: did, not, yeah, did not know that. Um for, He was
0: in, he was with Ricky Skaggs in the eighties. So the folks,
1: the folks out there in the podcast land, uh, Bruce Bowden played steel guitar guitar um, for a guy you might've heard of named Garth Brooks. Yeah. Um oh, Yeah. I mean, so yeah. he's a big deal. Cause Garth doesn't he's have slouches on his album, but we went to yeah. go see him and he was playing at a
0: club. Um He was playing at the Bluebird, Bluebird cafe. He was. He was at the Bluebird, and, first I first called and only him time I ever we were coming.
1: Yeah, first first and only time I ever went to the Bluebird. I remember walking in. There's all these pictures of all these stars, childhood heroes, and they're autographed, And you know, we go in, and Gary Burr was playing. And I remember it was around Christmas time, only because I remember they did like a jingle bell. They did like a medley of Christmas songs or something. But I remember <laughs> Bruce just been over there on this little guitar lap steel. I don't know what he was. He was just <laughs> he was just wearing, wearing it hat. out. I remember just being blown away. I'm like, I've never heard of any of these guys, but look how amazing they are. And just one of those things where it was truly just, I keep coming back to the phrase serendipitous, but it was just like, you have been there in that room on that night with you, with my best friend doing that stuff, man. It was just cool, it was the coolest experience of my life. It was the first time I'd ever left home and gone
0: anywhere. I remember that was, that was one of the first times I ever kind of felt important. Uh, in a in a public setting i don't know if you remember this so we got there and like we walked up to the door and they were like oh no yep. because we were going to try to come in they're like oh no this is this is sold out yeah and i was like oh my gosh we're supposed to my friend's playing tonight uh can you let them know that can you let him know that we're here yeah I remember and that. they went inside and then came back out and they're like Come with us. We sat right they, to the
2: stage. We
0: had, yes, we had like we were like two tables from the
2: stage. We
1: was like front row seats. It was amazing.
0: Yeah, uh, it was. It was quite quite an experience. And and for those listening to this, just look up Gary Burr and and research the songs that oh, he has written. Songwriting years. credits.
1: He wrote songs for How to he he, he he total total uh just a songwriting just genius.
0: He had a lot of great songs. Yeah. I remember he had a notepad on stage that night and like stopped talking at one point and wrote some things down. It was like, when the ideas come, you have to, you have to write them down. Yeah. So yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was one of those watershed moments for me as a musician, getting to experience that with you. That was, that was incredible. That was a really cool thing. Yeah. Um, Do you have, do you have any of those moments that kind of happened to you that may have like changed the trajectory of, of, of your musical life?
1: Yeah, I, I go back to a few and we've, we've kind of, uh, I sort of touched on it earlier, but I didn't tell you the whole story. But, um, uh, when I met, um, Matt Mundy, um, it was kind of, uh, You know, again, just kind of acquaintances at first, and then we become friends. I'd still say we're kind of acquaintances, but we know each other well enough to sit down and talk and have an intelligent conversation and all this stuff. He's a very soft-spoken guy, very talented musician. And so it was right before this conversation that I found out actually who he was. And who he had played with um some of my musical heroes including otill burbridge i remember uh seeing otill burbridge in good old days one night out of, out of all the places in the universe i'm sitting in a room with otill burbridge who at the time was one, playing with the allman brothers fan and i just remember being i couldn't i couldn't go near him i couldn't get within 20 feet of him because i was just <laughs> i was just yeah. gonna fan out or whatever but but one of the conversations i had with matt that kind of changed i'd say changed the directory or kept me on course kind of kind of a two-edged sword because I remember talking to him and, you know, it was one of those times in my life where this was a few years after I met him. So this would have been probably 2015, 2014, somewhere around in there. And I, and I recently just told him about the story. I never told him what an impact it had on me, but I remember expressing frustration to him of, man, I'm just embarrassing, you know, I, uh, I'm kind of regret, you know, not taking it further or pursuing it harder. Um, early on, back in, back in 2006, I had an encounter with a, a high school friend of ours, Zach Brown. And uh, mm-hmm. you remember Zach, I know. He's sort of famous now, yeah. too, I guess. If he keeps practicing, he'll be good one day. I don't know. <laughs> but I played a couple of shows with him and really thought that things were going to, you know, pan out, look up. He was inviting me to shows to play with him and stuff, and it was cool. Uh, you know, and then they got signed in the whole deal, and they, you know, they're world famous and all that stuff. Um, but I'm definitely am thankful for those experiences and the time that he poured into me, uh, you know, over, over the course of our, our little uh, interlude there with music, but kind of expressing that frustration to Matt and like, uh, you know, I feel like I had this chance and I could have gone on and I could have been this, that, or the other. And he said, he just kind of looked at me. He said, well, you're playing bars, right? And I said, yeah. He said, do people enjoy it? And I said, yeah, I think so. Because that's what I've always prided myself on. He said, well, do the people enjoy it? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, do you enjoy it? Are you still happy with playing music? And I said, yeah. And he just shook his shoulders he goes and then that's all that you need to know that's all that there is it doesn't matter if you're in a bar and kind of what i took from it was it doesn't matter if you're in a bar or in a stadium if the crowd's giving you back the energy that you need right it's a, it's a self-sustaining kind of symbiotic relationship yeah he's like are you enjoying what you're doing and i'm like absolutely and he's like kind of like well then what the hell are you complaining about
2: you know yeah. and
1: kind of looking at it from his perspective of this is a guy who was a touring musician a professional musician and kind of looking at that and i took that home and i thought about that and chewed on that. And I've never thought about it again. I've never regretted anything else since then. And so I think that wow. I shared that with him recently at, uh, back in October, we had a benefit and, and he was there. And uh, I remember telling him about that and him just being like shaking his head again, just being like, yeah, that's it. Like, that's the secret. Like, it's just the secret to being happy is being happy kind of where you're at. Um, It was kind of my takeaway from it. But, you know, he was just like, kind of like quit your whining almost in a way, you know what I mean? It was just like, well, if you enjoy it and they enjoy it there's not much beyond that
0: that you're happy there's a lot of wisdom in that in that statement and just in that mindset that you know we're always searching for the next bigger and better thing whether it's in your career your music career whatever and sometimes the the simplest path may be the best one and that's okay you know yeah I, and, I, and i and i and i think that I think he's correct, and that you you were probably for that little slice of time in those people's lives that were coming to hear you play, you may have been giving them a break from something in your, their life that maybe they didn't want to be thinking about, or it it was enriching their life. And yeah. there, there's you you brought a lot of value. I had know. a lady
1: come up to me one time and say. Um and I have, I wouldn't be able to think of all of them today, but I had a lady come up to me and say, hey, uh, you don't know, you don't, you don't know this, but I'm going to tell you this story. And she was kind of in a friend, and acquaintance of mine. And she said, me and my husband were uh, talking about getting a divorce. She said, and then um, we decided, hey, look, we're going to just try to date each other. And you know, and try to work things out or whatever, which was great, obviously. And she said that they came to a restaurant uh, wherever I was playing and I was there. And she said that they had such a good time that they reconciled and they actually ended up having twins after that. And I, I don't know if they were conceived on that night. I, I don't know, but but telling me how really, and I wasn't trying to repair anybody's marriage. I'm up there just singing songs, but they had such a good time. That really meant a lot to me because I felt like I had had an impact. And I'm sure that there are several, sto- I know that there are several stories out there like that of, man, I was feeling down or we were in a rough patch or I was this and I was that and then I came to hear you. And it was just like all of it kind of melted away. And, you know, and these folks were able to reconcile and have twins and they're still together today. And it's just one of those things where that was 15 years ago, probably. I mean, it was just I, really to have somebody tell you that was really special. And man, that's to get that stuff back is just that's kind of what
0: makes it all worth it. Well, and and like I said earlier, you, you just bring you just bring a sincerity and honesty uh, to when you play and sing that it automatically people connect with it because th- yeah. they know you're the real deal. And w- when you also happen to be really good while you do it, that just makes it even better. <laughs> so it's, it's well, it's that's really why good. I have Matt. He
1: makes me sound really good. Uh- <laughs> so I, I play with I play with musicians too far out far
0: outweigh my own talent. That's the secret of. Well, what's that old saying? If you're the smartest person in the room, you're, you're in, in the, the wrong, wrong room. room. <laughs> you know, it's like if you're if you're if you're the best musician on stage, you probably need to be playing in a different band. You, you probably should, need to be, yeah. We've had several stories of that over the years. like Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you should uh you know, I always felt like I would be playing with people that I had no business being on stage with because I felt like they were light years ahead of where I would ever be. But I also learned a whole lot from just getting to be next to them and pick up on what they were doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, The cream rises
1: to the top and the cream always brings more cream with it. And it's just, if you play, it's good to stretch out and play kind of with people who are beyond your musical ability, because it really kind of helps you get comfortable with the idea of where you fit into that. Because, Make no mistake, you know, I know there are bands out there and every single one of them are world class musicians, but there are also bands out there where there might be a guy who's not as good as everybody else, but he fits into well to what they're doing. Um, right. You know, that so. kind of thing. So
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. So so you're not playing a lot of music these days. Um and uh, you know, I know the world misses getting to hear that voice and that playing of yours, Brian.
2: <laughs> yeah, I uh For for those that
1: don't know, and I I talk openly and candidly about it. I was, um, I can get through this without getting too crazy. Um, But back last year in July of 2022, I was diagnosed with uh, intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma. It's a liver cancer. It's very rare. Um, It is treatable, but not curable. Um, And I say for the first four or five months uh, of treatment, I was fine. I felt fine. What I didn't know at the time is because chemo wasn't working. (laughs) So that was kind of a shock. And uh, but then they switched me to a different medication. So I'm I'm a year and a half into this journey now. And um, it gets to where um, you have complications and side effects and it gets to where you just physically are just so tired, you know, that kind of thing. So I think rather than continue on and have my music suffer, um, I decided to back in July, I played a show actually at Matt's parents had a party he I think it was his dad's birthday he was like 80 his parents are in great health but uh but we played a gig and then I just told Matt after that we got to cancel everything I can't get into the point where it's a lot of labor a lot of effort and I don't think the musical product is as good I know that sounds crazy but it was like I just don't have the energy to put into that anymore and I really want to focus on my health and all that stuff so yeah that kind of took a turn. We did play another show back in October because my wife told me I was being a curmudgeon and I needed to get out and made me go book again. So I, I did play one at uh, NoFo Brewery up in Gainesville, Georgia, where they uh, they had mule camp festival going on up there and we played and, and it was great. But that's the last time I played. And you know, if the opportunity comes along and I feel well enough, I'll play some more, but being out every weekend is no longer a part of what I do. And I, I, yeah, I embrace that, and I celebrate the fact that I spent so long doing what I love to do, and being an able opportunity to meet people and to grow with people, to perform with people like yourself and Mark and Wendell Cox and all those guys, and Jody Abernathy, and just being able to get up and play with my friends still um, is is very special, um, and and to be able to have done that for so long at at a pretty high clip. I mean, we played a lot of shows a year, you know. So yeah, it was. Uh, it's one of those things I definitely look back on it fondly. I still uh, enjoy music and going to hear music. And like you and I talked about at one point, it, it's nice to go sit somewhere and listen to music. I have to make sure that the music's good, you know, but <laughs> to be a fan and a spectator again is something I haven't done since I was 21 years old and I'm 46 now. So it's been yeah. a long time, a long time that, uh, that I'm able to do that. And I, I'm very, very thankful for it. And to all the people or anybody listening, you know, who was a fan, I just, uh, <clears throat> I would just say, uh, you know, thank you.
0: That's that's all I can say. You know, Brian, I saw you back in October at the um the benefit and the outpouring of love shown to you and your family shows how people feel about you and what you have meant to people and what you brought to their lives and you're a treasure. I appreciate that. And I think it you know, you know, I mentioned earlier about the
1: outpouring over the last year and a half and I think it's that's kind of a, an outpouring from over two decades of you know playing for people and people hear you and people enjoy it and so I was really taken aback. The very first back like in 2022, we did we did one also and it was the same thing. It was just the amount of people, the amount of love, the amount of uh, the amount of emotion. We played music, we had fun, we didn't think about anything else. You know, at this last one back in October, which as I understand it, you flew down pretty much just for that just for that benefit. And I appreciate that. I,
0: I, we came down, we loaded up the family and came down yeah. because we wanted to be there because we love you. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I was very overwhelmed. There, there were,
1: I didn't even know you were coming until I think the day before or the day of. And, uh, but being you know, people come from far and wide to support our family really meant a lot. And, um, you know, it's just, like I said, I kind of adopted the, the whole wrong crowd because all those people who are we're fans of across the wide or also a lot of friends and fans of ours. And we would see out at places, you know, and, and uh, just seeing everybody come together is really a beautiful thing. And I think that I can attribute a lot of that to music. I attribute that to a lot to how, um, how I've treated people over the years, because, you know, you, you, there's just no use in being a mean, evil, you know, a sour person. Uh, you know, there's just, I find a lot of joy in trying to help people or trying to talk to people or trying to counsel people. Trying to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that they know that they matter, because I think at the end of the day, everybody wants to understand that they are loved and everybody wants to understand that they matter. And I think that if in some small way, you know, I've contributed to that or helped them understand that it's going to be OK, you know, you can listen to this song and it can get you through it or, or you can you know, express it however you want to express it. But really the outpouring of emotion was very overwhelming and I appreciate you and, and all the guys from across the wide for coming. And it's just one of those things where I just feel blessed, man, in a time of it's always great to plant your blessings, especially when things are darkest. Um, I truly believe that um, it has changed my outlook on life to kind of approach things from that way. Cause I'm grateful I'm grateful for everything. I mean, how can I not be? How could I not be?
0: Well, well, Brian, I love you, buddy. And uh, oh, man, I love you I just- too. And I just, I have since the beginning, as long as I've known you, you're just, you're just, you're just, you're one of my dearest friends in the world. You always have been. And I just, I'm just, I just love you. And we just think of, we're thinking of you and your family and praying for you and just thank you to the, thank you for the joy you've brought our family. Thank you for the joy you've brought to countless people who've just been blessed to meet you and be a be part of your life yeah
1: it's it's really um i honestly just look at it it's just been an honor um uh, and i said this at the the very first benefit you know um you don't get um you don't get are in this business or in this venture of you know playing music without depending on your audience and your crowd and i think i over time have learned that they aren't just fans and they aren't just fans and friends they're family and learning that you have a much bigger family than you thought you did, um, really is reassuring, especially in a time of like today, you know, how, how things are. I think it's important that people maintain that. And if I can leave people with anything, it would be, um, uh, you know, to put your faith in each other, to put your uh, people first, tell your people that you love them mm-hmm. every day. Cause, um, you know, it might not be cancer. It might be something else. It might be, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And I think that, uh, if you live your life every day, Like you don't know if tomorrow's coming, you'll be vastly rewarded. You will have a much deeper appreciation for people and you will, um, I think that it brings a lot of joy to live in the moment and to tell people as you're thinking it. Hey, I love you. I tell my wife all the time, we'll just be watching TV. I just, I love you. Thank you. You know, and that kind of thing being grateful for the time that we are given, whether it's, you know, a short time or a long time, um, because with gratitude comes understanding. I think that if you're grateful for something, you can't be exotized about life. Also. Yeah. I got rough days just like everybody else. I won't <laughs> pretend that it's all cupcakes and burritos and, you know, <laughs> cupcakes and burritos. I don't know where that came from. And it's not, but there's always time for joy. I do believe that.
0: Well, buddy, I can't thank you enough for uh, spending some time with me today. Absolutely. And uh, well, I love you, buddy. Thank Great you so too, much. Thank you. Okay.
3: I may if I don't seem too concerned As a matter of fact I'm gonna help you pack right now Well I'm gonna buy you A ticket on Greyhound. greyhound An airplane or hot air balloon and Don't let the screen door hit you Where the good Lord's pitch And if I see your ass again It'll be too soon Yeah! say that love's a gamble Well, but go like rolling stick eyes every time Your bad love a little more than I can handle Every winter break breaking even just a belly got and buy. Oh, no, I'm on the buy you to get on the Greyhound An airplane or hot air balloon Don't let the screen door hit you Wearing a good look tell me if I see your ass again It'll be too soon Alright! This ride. Well, don't call me, baby, I'll call you. When hell freezes over and money rains from the sky, well, I'm gonna the buy you a ticket on the grey A or hot air balloon. Don't let the screen door hit you. Where the good Lord's pigeon, if I see your ass again, it'll be too soon. If I see your ass again, it'll be too soon If I see your ass again, it'll be too soon